My guest today is the president and owner at MRT Laboratories. Please welcome Ben Hartman. Ben, long time. How's it going? Hey, great. How are you doing, Rodolfo? Hey, I'm doing okay. Doing all right. Thanks yeah, for coming on. Yeah, great to see you on and hear from you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Good to hear from you. Thank you for coming on to the podcast. I appreciate it. Very, very, very pleased to do it. Thank you very much for inviting me. Cool. Yep. So, hey, let's jump right into this. What do you do? So this is something that I've done for the past five years. So we were in, in business school together. Um, so it's been a few years, but five years ago, I bought this small business. It's a laboratory. It's called MRT Laboratories. MRT stands for Maximize Runtime. And we're not a medical laboratory. We test fluids out of critical equipment, expensive equipment that's running basically all the time that costs our customers a lot of money if it goes down. So we perform a preventive maintenance service by testing fluids from machines, such as a lot of lubricants like lube oils, like even really a comparison would be out of your car or greases, refrigerants, fuels, anything that goes into machines and gives you an idea how the machines are running. And it's it can give you a really good early warning detection on whether you're having a problem. So since we're in Houston, most of our customers are petrochemical, oil and gas. We also have a lot of manufacturing, but really it applies any type of business anywhere in the world where there's a lot of expensive mechanical equipment. Okay. Wow. It definitely seems like it's a, it's a need there, but how did you get into this? I mean, you were engineering at one point to business school yes. and energy investment banking. So how'd you figure out that this is a, a need and something that you wanted to do and wanted to get into? I always wanted to own a small business. Mm. I learned that this business was going to be for sale. So it's kind of one of those stories. If you're, if you're looking for a small business and you get fortunate, I feel fortunate that I learned about this business the owner was retiring, and so I was able to put together an offer of, of debt and equity and have a couple of partners and was able to get it. So at the same time, although any small business that looked like had some potential for some scale to grow and I felt like I was going to enjoy it and feel good about our work product, this was it. And it was also related to what I studied in undergraduate, which was mechanical engineering. So it's very mechanical and engineering focused. So it was an awesome fit. It's been a great five years. Nice. All right. Great. And now you talked about the fluids and you that are used or that are being tested and you talked about the clients, but can you talk some about the type of machines that you're working with? Yes. So if, if you know laboratories, which I didn't, and I don't know if you do Rodolfo, but it's, it's fairly specific, but so a lot of times you're, um, you're looking for different elements you're looking for, and those are different metals that are in the fluids. So iron, copper, tin, lead, silver, a lot of those things, those are metals that are coming off the machines. It's called a rotrode emission spectrometer. And in almost all laboratories, you'll have some type of spectrometer. So it, it excites electrons in whatever sample that you're running. And those electrons correlate to different elements. And that's an indication of what you're testing and what's in it. We also, since we're testing a lot of lubricants, a big issue with lubricants is they can't have water in them. So oil and water don't mix. You don't want water in your lubricants. 
So you, you use an instrument called a Carl Fisher titrator, named after the guy who invented it many years ago. Mm. It tells you how much water in parts per million is in your sample. For also for lubricants, you're testing the viscosity. So it's supposed to be a certain viscosity. So if it doesn't match to what it's supposed to be, then there's a problem. And then we also check for acidity, which is also a titration method. When you're measuring how long it takes to titrate a certain fluid, it's a, it's a color change. And that's measuring how much acid is in the is in the fluid and that tells you generally whether it's super used or it's still in good condition and you can continue using it i mean we run other things that are kind of simple like one of the tests one of the tests you run is color because as, as as lubricants as you use them longer they get darker and you actually quantify that you run a really important instrument that you run is called a laser particle counter and so you're you'll run fluid across an optical sensor and it counts shadows. So it's counting shadows of particles that are less than 40 microns in size. So they're less than what you can see without a microscope. And it's quantifying thousands of particles per milliliter of fluid with an optical sensor by counting shadows. And that gives you an idea of how clean the fluid is. And there's other tests too. There's a lot of tests you run to see how long it takes to destroy it. There's another important test that we run. It's called gas chromatography. Gas chromatography is another thing that you'll find in almost any laboratory. And that's basically, you'll take the, the sample and you'll burn it. And as the temperature gets hotter, you can get different peaks on a scale that measures. It's another way of testing what's in it, if there's any contaminants in it, because it has a typical profile of what it's going to look like if, so, if certain compounds or elements are in the fluid. So those are big tests that we run. Using all those tests and those instruments, we put together reports and then the combination of normal or abnormal things gives you an idea of what's in it, what's wrong, what's good, and how much longer it's going to last. Nice. All right. Well, you definitely seem like you know your stuff. So how'd you get up to speed on everything? Uh, you just pound through it. You know what I mean? And I surround myself with guys that have been doing it longer than I have. Yeah. I've never met a lot of people that really, really enjoy working in laboratories. I've, always, I've met a lot of people that enjoy engineering, but it's a combination of some people that really like labs, some people like, like engineering, they like the equipment or they like the tests. The procedures, you know, and, and, I, and I want this to sound complimentary and positive because certain people just really enjoy the organization and the procedures and doing things correctly over and over again. They get a lot of satisfaction out of it meet a lot of people like that and they love working in laboratories. And so you can apply that to, you know, everything that's going on today, actually testing for vaccines, yeah. all the processes, all those accredited processes that you have to prove that everyone's doing them correctly in the same way, or it doesn't count. And so it, there's a lot of clinical study, systematic application and problem solving and a lot of patience and a lot of teamwork. Yeah. Makes a teamwork to get through, to get things through the lab efficiently. Um, it, 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 all, all of those things are really important in, in uh, any laboratory setting and in, in any commercial lab, like what we do. Okay. And then now I know you mentioned that you wanted to own a, a small company and you saw this opportunity here and jumped on it, but can you just talk about that? When, when this opportunity came up, was it really like that where you just, okay, this is it, going to quit? and jump right in it? Or did you guess yourself? And was it scary to take that risk? It was scary. So my back wasn't against the wall. I definitely didn't have to leave what I was doing, but I definitely knew that I felt unsatisfied. Yeah. And so I was fortunate in that I was able to test the waters a little bit. And I knew it was something, a business that I could afford, mm -hmm. which is rare, but afford doesn't mean like I can pay for it out of my pocket, of right. course. 
it means that it was a going concern, a business that was profitable. I could borrow some money. I had some people that believed in me that I could do it. So, so they invested some money and then, and then my wife and I put in some money too. And then I was able to put it in an offer while still working at my other job. So I was kind of a little bit in secret, yeah. um, but you know, I'd, you know, I'd go home at night and then work on this, put in an offer step-by-step, step. you know, the owner was ready to retire. He thought that I could, could do it. You know, I could put together the money and also run the business successfully after he left. And so I just kind of inched into it. Obviously things that we learned in business school, mm-hmm. very important. Yeah. Um, contracts, negotiation, knowing what to look for in the due diligence. Um, and what was really interesting about the due diligence is probably the scariest part is I didn't know much about laboratories. It's not a public company where I could go out there and look at the other competitors and their stock prices and value them the same. You're basically going off cash flow and a little bit of gut feel, um, asking as many questions as you can. And the hardest part, because it's a small private company, was understanding the industry and understanding whether the information what that what that I was getting was useful or not, mm-hmm. or not. What's out there that's going to get me right after I buy this company? How's it going to turn out? That was probably the scariest part of kind of jumping into the unknown on the industry and the competition. Yeah. Oh. Can you talk about the differences between a buying a company and the reason why you didn't want to try and start one from the ground up? Man, I didn't have a great idea that I had confidence in that I thought was going to take off. Yeah. Obviously, if I did or if anyone does and they think they can put all the pieces together or they can have mentors that can put the pieces together, you only have one life. got to go for it if you if you can if it's reasonable within your life and all the other commitments that someone has in my case i knew i probably wanted to grasp onto something that wasn't too risky and too huge but also i felt like it was gonna last it wasn't it wasn't like some super risky thing that was gonna all of a sudden not make money once i bought it so one of the things that was important to me on this one which is a little bit conservative but it has really good downside protection in that most of our clients are um, oil and gas companies. The business model is you get a little bit of revenue from a lot of different companies. And for these big oil and gas companies, our service is not that expensive. And so when oil prices go up and oil prices go down, they still need us and they don't stop doing business. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I saw is that, again, I, I didn't have some incredible high-tech idea or some new service that that I was going to go out and launch on my own, but I did see a business that looked like it was pretty safe, yep. hopefully with a lot of hard work and uh, using my, the business skills that I learned and applied that I could grow it. Yep. Yep. Great. And now growing it, how do you get new clients? It's a lot of word of mouth. And then also we're just now really hitting it hard on search engine optimization mm-hmm a lot of inbound marketing, marketing stuff through our website and yep. materials and things. But old school sales is also helpful. We cold call, we pop in on companies just around Houston and things like that. And you just constantly work in it. But another thing that we do is I don't actually employ someone that just does sales. I do sales and then we all share a little bit of sales. And then I reach out to people that sell lubricants, like an Exxon representative in the area, they sell just, I mean, it's, it's incredible how big the lubricant business actually is. So I work through them. I give them good services. They like our service. 
and so they recommended their, us to their clients. So uh, I use, I, I work with all the different distributors in the area and actually kind of around the country to help spread the word that we do good laboratory business with their clients. Okay, so you have clients around the country. We do, and, and okay. some, are, some around the world. Uh, um, nice. We have a decent business coming from Mexico and some from South America, but really 60% of our business is, the, is Texas and Louisiana right. Gulf. Wow, that's great. All right, so can you talk about what a, a typical day of yours looks like? Yeah, sure. So unfortunately, I'm working basically normal business hours these days. A couple of years ago, it was a lot more than that. But now that we're, we're able to share the load, everyone has their roles. I don't run tests. I don't work in the lab. I do review reports. So when all the tests get done and they're ready for someone to make recommendations and send them out, I do that. But I also do other guys that do that. And then I do as much marketing as I can. So it's a lot of follow-up when customers have questions or I'm constantly reaching out and using LinkedIn and other sources to find new clients. I put out technical papers, articles, blogs uh, that we spent that I and our other guys, uh, our other technical guys spend a lot of time on to, to, to um, so it's really meaningful information that we put out, but that's kind of our main marketing source. And, um, you know, I'm constantly just spreading the word and trying to send out a lot of quotes um, and then just respond to clients when they when they have questions or when I'm onboarding new clients. Okay. And then with, with these new clients and, and onboarding, can you talk a little bit about that process, how that works? So you're pitching to a new client. What happens after that? Is it you go in-house and you're giving a presentation? Are you testing something? Like, how does that process work? In our world, so many of our clients are in downstream oil and gas Okay. So refining in Petrochem, most of our clients start work at about six in the morning and they get off at three. It's not the main marketing meetings that I do are either breakfasts or lunch and learn type presentations. And so I do a lot of those. I'll go to refineries in, in the, around the Texas Gulf Coast, help them solve problems. Um, if it's an existing client, I'll, uh, we'll talk about issues that they have because we have a ton of information on how their equipment works. And so we'll get in the nitty gritty um, on, you know, what we see with our testing on how well their equipment's doing. And if it's a new client, I'll typically give them case studies and just show that, you know, get, get them as comfortable as they can, that when they send us business, it's actually really going to make a difference to their maintenance and reliability budget. It's a fun sales pitch because we have a lot of competition. So you, you have to be pretty sharp or there's another lab out there that can help them. But it's so obvious how beneficial it is. It's not that expensive to send samples to us every month. Hmm. And then you're able to save the equipment. And so I'll do a lot of case studies on how much money, more or less, when you, because some of these equipment, if it goes down unexpectedly, it's millions of dollars a day. Right. So you're doing this little testing that'll give you, you're not going to save the equipment by doing the testing, but you're giving them warning when something's going wrong and they have the ability to time it when they're going to shut it down and make repairs. Oh. So you focus on that type of stuff. That's the main pitch. And then they get comfortable that you can, that you're going to come through for them. And then if a machine goes down, just trying to understand this, are you actually going to do the repairs or is that someone else? So those, no, we don't do the repairs. Okay. Yeah. So I figured. Yeah. So, the, but those are companies that we work with. Okay. So yep. A family of different, I mean, you, I guess you could call it reliability value chain. Yeah. Um, and so, but, but we know we don't, there's big companies that in, in our space that do a lot of those, that do a lot of those repairs. Okay. All right. And now 
So it seems like you wear a lot of hats and some of the skill sets that you, you mentioned are important, our teamwork and patience, but can you talk about some of the skill sets and characteristics that you think are important to be successful in your line of field? Attention to detail, just like anything, for sure. Multitasking, of course, having a desire to, uh, you know, really, although we work in like science and a laboratory, uh, it's really all about the equipment. So any kind of mechanically inclined person, um, especially if you want to get into kind of an engineering consulting type field, this is a really good one. So if that interests you, math and science, you'd be surprised at how much chemistry goes into it. People that really like this like to get into the different compounds of different types of coolants and lubricants and refrigerants and greases and all this stuff and how they're made and you know synthetics, mineral oils and things. And so you'll find a lot of people that kind of like equipment and like chemistry. You know, they all like math. And then a lot of our clients are just really skilled with mechanical equipment. Some people go to college, a lot of them didn't, but they're just really good with their hands. And then also the people that really rise to the top are the ones that are organized. They can run teams. They're able to present. They're able to maintain a budget. I mean, and these are really expensive budgets with really expensive machines to be able to put together that kind of mechanical inclination, but also being able to work in a team and be a leader and just work hard. Those are the people that are all around us with, with our different partner companies and clients that, that I meet with all the time. Yeah. Oh, wow. All right. Can Not you talk finance? Not a lot oh, of right, finance. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I was thinking about that, your background and your experiences and how that's helped with you now. And I think being an engineer in the past has really helped and business school, a lot of the skills that you got from uh, being in business school and probably a lot of the network uh, helped. And then the finance part of it, though, I think maybe just the funding, <laughs> the funding for you working in investment yeah. banking and energy investment banking helped with that, that part of it. So for sure. Yeah. Especially the, the contractual part of getting and closing the deal. Mm -hmm. I'm not done yet. I mean, like um, I'm sure you've talked to many other entrepreneurs the model for me is to find another company, add on other services, keep going. Yep. And I'm kind of at that point right now. I've been in it for five years. I, I do need, a, I do want a little bit more growth and a little bit more automation in our lab. Mm -hmm. I'm now starting to actively look either for an acquisition of a company that does the, of a lab that does the exact same thing, but I can bring in new customers or apply the same processes that we put in place here to a maybe like an upstream services laboratory, like a company that does like core testing, you know, when they're drilling new wells, that would be another thing that would be interesting or just keep my eyes open for something else that, that where I think that what I've learned with this, I can apply and, you know, probably streamline another smaller business where I think it's, it's scalable and then we can do it better. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Exciting, man. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. I wish it's 30, but you know, I still got time. <laughs> right. <laughs> so talking about that, what, can you talk about what you love about what you do? Yeah. I mean, I love kind of being able to do whatever I want, whenever I want, you know, the small business and being the owner and the main decision maker, it's really fun. <laughs> There's a lot of stress and then continuing to push myself. Like sometimes you, you almost feel like you're, you're kind of coasting. But then, you're, then you realize that you're not, you're, you're temporarily coasting, but it's time to hit hard again and do something different, do something that's transformative for the company. Yeah. So you're 
constantly able to come up with new things and you just immediately implement them. And then I really like having a team of people that I hired that I feel like we're a good fit with the company and we work together well. So I don't want to go off too much on this, but we are using a system that you might've heard of called Traction, Entrepreneurial Operating System. Okay. Popular business uh, way to run a small business these days. The book, mm. there's a book called Traction that's very, very popular. So that's only been this year that we've implemented that. And I have loved doing and the team's loved it because it's a lot of managing what you can measure and then getting people on the same program. It also plays a lot into what you're looking for when you hire someone. So you have a checklist that everyone's agreed on, you know, your group of people that you're close with that are going to help you put it all together. You have a checklist on, does this person have this attribute? Does this person have that attribute? So it's fit, but it's also obviously skill in the position, position that you're looking for, but it's very systematic. And I, and I love implementing that business model into my business as well. So I like managing people. I like the unknown of when you go in on a Monday and there's some type of people issue yeah. that's not supposed to happen, but it does. Right. You know, sometimes obviously I get frustrated by it because there's <laughs> a thousand things going on, but I have to be able to look back and say, okay, these things are supposed to happen. This is the unknown that's supposed to happen. This is what happens when you manage people mm-hmm. and you go with it and you, and, and you can't, you can't let it get, you know, you can't let it frustrate you. So I like that too. You like to be a problem solver and put out yeah. fires. Yeah. All I right. Do. And then you mentioned earlier that at first the hours, of course, now you have regular business hours, but at first it wasn't like that. And right. that was just the stress level of it at first. So when did that change? Um, the past two years has gotten better. It was a combination of hiring people. And then, and frankly, mentioning this new management oh, okay. system. I implemented that helped a lot. It was pretty transformative for a stress management, time management, and also feel like I'm on top of things and I've got more focus. That all has helped a lot. So really the first three years, you've probably experienced this too. You wake up, it's Monday morning at about 3 a.m. You're just laying there. Yeah. <laughs> and it's yeah. just so, you're sweating, you know, you're just, it's stressful. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't have, I don't, <laughs> I don't have nearly as much of that. I can't imagine a huge company CEOs. It must be. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, that's gotten a lot better. But really, frankly, right now, it's gotten so much better that I need to make it more stressful in a positive way that, yeah. that me towards more growth or something transformative as far as like maybe another acquisition or another. I'm at that point right now. Okay. I like that. All right. And then now what about the flip side, though? What type of challenges have been out there for you? So the biggest challenge is growth in specifically what we do. It's pretty commoditized, the service that we offer, and it's fairly newly commoditized. So even five years ago, when I was buying the company, I was not able to comprehend and the sellers were not able to either convey to me for one reason or the other, that it was really on the cusp of being pretty commoditized more than it ever has been. And so I dove kind of right into a pretty competitive market, swimming around with bigger fish in the pond. Our service that we offer, a lot of it is not new technology. It's just trying to run existing technologies a lot better and faster. And so it's been dealing with a challenge of growing the company when you know you, most of your growth comes from stealing market share from somebody else. Right. So a lot of the time has been focused on upgrading our IT laboratories are, it's a big IT operation. You have a big 
system that runs your samples in and out, and then you try to get as automated as you can. I mean, obviously accurate and precise, and then good observations on what's going on. But my company was kind of behind on a lot of that stuff. And so yeah. I've had to invest more money into it and more time into it. And then now it's more on marketing, but it's really keeping up with the big boys and then trying to find ways to eventually become one of them. Yeah. All right. Now, just getting back to the stress, I know you said the last two years have changed, but what are your hobbies? What do you do for fun or what's your stress relievers? Yeah, my kids are nine and seven. Okay. Or, uh, no, they're not. They're 11 and nine. <laughs> I'm kind of a mostly kid type hobby these days. Yeah. It's work and it's family. Yeah. Uh, it's coaching as much as I can. Which sports? Um, so I, I head coach baseball for my son nice. and um, assistant coach flag football. And my daughter does cheer. Oh, great. That and cheer. Cheer is awesome because it's a team sport as well. And then um, it, it's not a lot of other hobbies, you know, exercise, some reading, but I don't do that much right now. Probably in a couple of years, I'll be able to branch out and do a little bit more. Yeah. All right. And now, do you have any memorable moments over your career that stick out? Yeah, probably meeting some experts in the field, having some, obviously some successes, but what's coming to mind right now is kind of sticking myself out there to do technical presentations and doing some of them wrong, getting called out by people that have a lot more experience, kind of like in front of people. So it's been, I remember doing a, not to make it too technical, but a certain presentation on a type of failure that a certain type of oil can do. And I just thought I knew enough about it, but really didn't. And a couple of experts kind of shot me down in the room, you know, telling me that you basically that you didn't really grasp the whole picture on all these different possibilities that could have gone into this failure. And it was, it was just a function of not having enough experience in the industry yet. Mm. But also just, I really like the clients. I really like our clients. I really like certain conversations with people in these huge refineries and chemical plants, certain tours that I've done and learning about their equipment and learning how it's all together and learning about people's backgrounds. And there hasn't been a lot of connections as far as like, you know, I went to Stratford High School in West Houston. I really don't meet people that I grew up with in East Houston as much. So it's all new people. So, you know, all these different high schools that I'd heard of, but I didn't ever meet people that went to these high schools. Right. So now I do, which is kind of fun. It's kind of getting to moments where I felt like I've kind of gotten a broader feel of what makes Houston work are very memorable. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. That's really cool. All right. Well, hey, Ben, we're at the end of this interview. I want to get to these quick hitter questions where I'm going to ask you some questions for fun just to get to know you a little bit better. But before okay. I do that, I just want to find out if there's anything additional that you want to talk about or anything you think I might have left off asking you. Um, whoever's listening to this, some of the things that I feel like I've done right was studying engineering. It was such a base that has enabled me to do many different things. If it's your knack and you like math and science, maybe someone that might be younger that's out there, I highly encourage you just to stick it out. If you're in a position where you don't think, you know, maybe you're starting at it or thinking about it and you got a couple options, it's just so worth it. And then also, I hope my message has come across about how enjoyable it is to own your own business, whatever it is. It's really rewarding. And I have a lot of happy stories to tell. I'm not one of the people that had a lot of failures in it and keeps going. Like some of the stories you hear about entrepreneurs that fail, 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 fail. And then, you know, they make it big. I'm not one of those stories, but I, I don't want to fail. I want to keep pushing until I have the opportunity to maybe have some wins and losses just to keep that drive going and then start early, start early if you can. 
just get out there and, and get it going in your 20s as much as you can or earlier. It depends on what your knack is. So those are the points that I just want to get across. Yeah. No, I love it. You had a very successful career and job working in energy investment banking. But just like you said, that just wasn't you. You weren't happy and you had that entrepreneurial spirit and you did it. You looked into it. What You looked into what you can do, found an opportunity, and you've been running with it the last five years and, and growing it. So I love it. I love it. Thanks, Rodolfo. Yeah, no problem. All right. So let's get to these quick hitter questions. First question, what's your favorite sports team? Astros. All right. For pro. For pro. Yeah. For pro. All right. Yeah. Of course, is the Astros. If there's okay. if there's still well, there are fans out there. <laughs> yeah, there are. <laughs> and then favorite movie or show oh the movie still has to be the natural so more baseball oh, yeah 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 love that movie yeah. yeah yeah favorite musical artist or group all time is gonna still be rush mm. but uh you know i i think that that's a tough one you know because you yeah. go through phases of your life but i still listen to them a lot and it hurt when their drummer died. Mm. Kind of, I kind of realized that probably of all time is still that. And a lot, you'll hear that from a lot of engineers and science guys. They like Rush. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Favorite vacation spot? Most recently, we've had, as a family, we've had the most fun going to like around Cancun. Mm, okay. It's just been super ideal. Great, great recent memories with the whole family. That's awesome. Uh, you know, family I love trips. Stuff. Skiing. I love the mountains too, but yeah. recently we've done that. So it's been awesome. Okay. And then favorite food or drink? So my favorite food continues to be James Coney Island. Um, I love it. <laughs> I mean, a great steak at a really fancy place is still wonderful, but that is my ultimate comfort food, man. All right. <laughs> I like it. Well, hey, man, this has been great. I love it. All that you've done, man, you've got this company and have it to where it is right now. And you can tell like the graphs that you have on everything. You talked about some of the times you fell on your face on the presentations at first because you didn't have the, the experience or whatever, but you can definitely tell that you put that work in, you know, your subject matter well, and I'm just happy that your company's doing so well, man, and all your accomplishments, man. So yeah. So keep it going, man. And uh, thank you for coming on to this podcast. Oh, this is great, Rodolfo. Thanks a lot for inviting me, take, taking the time. Uh, you know, it's not not often where someone, get, you know, will ask you so many questions about what you have going yeah. on with your business. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem at all. Thanks. And, and good catching up. <laughs> yeah, likewise. All right, have a good one. Okay, take care. All right, bye. Thank you, everyone. If you have any comments or questions or would like to be in the podcast, please reach out to me on Instagram at Rodolfo Cooper. Thank you. Bye.